Moving on from our failures in life, next. It's not God's intent or heart for you to run away because you failed, because you've blown it. It's not God's heart for you to isolate yourself because of the difficulty in your life. It's God's heart for you to press in as hard as it might be because the tether is both agape and phileo. It's both God-generated love, but it's also the love that you have. Since you, of course I love you. Everything in me loves you, Jesus. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Welcome to another Abounding Grace. Though Peter had his fair share of failures, he rebounded in fine fashion and would end up glorifying God through his death. What a great role model for us to consider, as you can be sure we'll fail too. And by God's grace, he can still lead us to victory. Let's see together how the Apostle Peter is restored to fellowship and service with God as Pastor Ed Taylor finishes up our study of John. We're in chapter 21, talking about the God of the second chance. He says, Peter, do you love me? If you guys like to write in your Bible, circle the word. Well, you can just write next to it. In verse 15, the word love is the word agape. It's probably a verb form, agape, but that's how we learn agape. It's, it is the love that's described as supernatural that comes from God to us. The picture and description of love that you find for agape is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the kind of self-sacrificial love that, that one gives for another, expecting nothing in return. So I asked, do you agape? Do you love me with the love of the Father? And he says, of course I do. You know that. Well, then feed my lambs. Verse 16, he asks him again. The word for love in verse 16, same thing, agape. Do you love me, Peter, with the love from the Father? Like, do you love me with a supernatural love? And Peter says, yes. But in verse 17, he changes the word. In verse 17, it's the word phileo when it comes to love, where we get our English word Philadelphia. It, it speaks of a brotherly love, but much more than that. It also speaks of a family love, that committed love that's within a family, the kind of love that you don't give up on one another, the kind of love that you stand strong with one another. And by the way, you Bible students, if you want to study something interesting, many times the relational aspect of love between your Father in heaven and you is actually described as phileo, the kind of love that a dad has for his kids, that deep love that you would do anything. It's relational now, many Bible commentators would look at this and say, well, what, Pe what Jesus is doing with Peter is he's taking it down a notch so that he can affirm that kind of love. And I can see that, but I don't, see, I don't think that's completely all that Jesus is doing here. Jesus is drawing out for him the kind of tether of love that he's going to need. He's going to need both agape love, and he's also going to need phileo love to fulfill his calling. And the same is true for us. As a church family, we aren't going to make it without the agape love of God and the phileo love of God among us. That we might first experience the love of God and then begin to stick it out with one another no matter what. Phileo, it's deep. It's a deep love. It is 
And, and you can see, like, Peter's wrestling. He's grieved. This is, he, it, you would think it would be going up, don't you? Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. But it's actually going down. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I know what I did. Yes, of course I love you, Jesus. You're everything to me. If you let him, that's how God will turn your failure into spiritual success and draw you closer to him. It's not God's intent or heart for you to run away because you failed, because you've blown it. It's not God's heart for you to isolate yourself because of the difficulty in your life. It's God's heart for you to press in as hard as it might be because the tether is both agape and phileo. It's both God-generated love, but it's also the love that you have. Says, of course I love you. Everything in me loves you, Jesus. You know, he asked in verse 15, do you love me more than these? A lot of people have debated on what Jesus is comparing here. Is he saying, do you love me more than the fish? Because there's 153 smelly fish there, or a few less after he cooked them. Do you love me more than the boats, more than your career, more than your profession? Those are all possibilities. Peter, do you love me more than what comes natural to you? Do you love me through the pain? He could be referring to the other disciples. Do you love me more than the other disciples? I I don't really think that's the case because Jesus isn't going to bring out some comparison with them. But he's drawing him close. And he re-enlists him in ministry. And he restores him and recommissions him. And then he says, notice in verse 18, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't wish. Basically, Jesus is saying, it's going to be hard. This is going to be hard. When you were younger, it was a lot easier in life. But now when you get old, hey, listen, tend, feed, care. Notice he says, my sheep. The sheep do not belong to any man. The church of Jesus Christ belongs to Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd. You know, we we have titles here as pastor, and I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay with that. But really what that title should be is under shepherd. As we'll see in a moment, Peter says that Jesus is the chief shepherd, and we're just servants alongside of him. You belong not to Calvary, not to Ed, not to You belong to the Lord. He's your chief shepherd. And... He says, man, take care of my lambs. Make sure that they're well cared for. Feed them. Take care of them. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It was easier when you were younger, Peter. But it's going to be hard. Now, again, Peter's listening to this real time. We're going to read the next verse that was written way after, a few years after. And John's going to give us the commentary on what happened. But Peter doesn't know this. He's still, I mean, can you imagine the overwhelming sense of feelings that are going through, and his head must be just racing like crazy. You mean, I love you, I love, man, don't you? I do love you, okay? And this very next breath, hey, when you were young, it was easy. But when you're old, they're gonna pick you up and carry you and take you places you don't wanna go. And John says, in verse 19, Jesus was talking about signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. It's going to be tough, and it's going to be hard, but it's the best thing that you could possibly do with your life. Follow me. Follow me, Jesus says. Now, tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down, and that this verse was literally fulfilled through, they wanted to crucify him, But Peter spoke up and said, I don't want to be crucified like my master. 
I'll do it. If you have to do that, then do it upside down. And that's what tradition gives to us. But we do know this, what Jesus said is true. It did happen in his life. And then notice Peter, verse 20, turning around, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. I wonder who that is. Can you help me out a little bit, John? Oh, the one that leaned on his breast at supper. Really, who is that? John, all the way to the end. I love this. I love it. Whatever relationship they had, it was a good one. So Peter turns around. You know, John could have wrote, Peter looked at me. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, verse 22, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the scene is set. Again, even though Judas is betrayed, he got up from dinner, he hung himself. Like, they're still dealing with, it's all happening so rapid fire. We're reading it very clearly, word by word, in a book. The Holy Spirit's given us understanding, but they're living it. They're living it moment by moment. They don't know what the next word is. They don't know what the next page is. And so here's the scene. Jesus is talking about, man, you know what? You're going to be taken away, Peter. They're going to take you place you don't want. And he turns around and he says, what about that guy? If I'm going to, what's going to happen to John, man? It's almost like Peter's going, it's always happened to me. What's going to happen to him? Say something about John. Something's going on between them. But what's very clear is, after Peter is encouraged and recommissioned, and he's still, it's very easy to get your eyes off the Lord, even when he's standing in front of you. And he's worried about John. And Jesus' answer is, don't worry about him. Or in today's language, it's none of your business. What do I do with John? You follow me. Didn't he just say earlier in verse 19, follow me? Now he's being pretty clear. Peter, you follow me. Yeah, but what about you? I mean, I have to say, after last night, after our service, man, I... I, I, I couldn't get these words out of my mind. You, Ed, follow me. I just, I couldn't, even all the way through today, just meditating, you follow me. And, and there's, of course, there's some things that would distract me and some things that would get, and so the Lord has just given me this word, you follow me, you follow me. Yeah, but what about, it's none of your business. Yeah, but what about, it's, not, uh, it's my church, my sheep, they belong to me, you follow me. And there's only one response to that. Yes, Lord. That's my heart. That's my desire. It's easy, isn't it, to fall into this trap of getting our eyes on someone else, of comparing ourselves with someone else. We, we receive a word and we think, well, what about them? What about them? It's all throughout the scriptures. We compare ourselves both to believers and unbelievers. I mean, a whole psalm is written about the discouragement a brother's feeling because his unbelieving neighbors seem to be getting away with everything and he's, getting, he's having to deal with everything in his life. And it says in that psalm, until I came into the sanctuary of the Lord, then I got the right perspective. And even here, Peter's being rebuked in a way. What is that to you? What is that to you? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that comparing ourselves to one another is not wise. Another way of saying not wise is it's foolish. Peter eventually learns this as he writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other people's matters. For some reason, being a busybody in other people's matters has become an acceptable sin in the church today. And it's not acceptable to the Lord. 
I mean, think, don't you think about, think about this. Don't you have enough issues in your own life to keep you busy and keeping your eyes on the Lord? Where did you get all this extra time to be a busybody in other people's lives? Well, I'll tell you what. What happens is you get so involved in other people's lives that your own personal walk with the Lord starts to falter. And now what's happened? I mean, because notice verse 23. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus didn't say to him that he would not die. But if I will, he remain till I come. What is that to you? You know, busybodies and rumors and slander, they go together. Because notice here, if you like to write in your Bibles, just write next to verse 23, rumor. Jesus said something and they spread a rumor about Jesus. It went around. Oh, Jesus is telling people he's not gonna, they're not going to die until he comes back. Peter, he's going to have a hard life. But John, not going to die. And that's not what he said at all. That's what the Bible says. John had to clear it out. The Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus did not say that to him. So they were lying about Jesus. We have our hands full with our own walk. That the Lord would strengthen us to not meddle in other people's affairs, not to be busybodies in other people's lives. Of course, there are those times where God would call us alongside to help someone, to encourage someone. But this whole idea of gossip and slander and spreading false rumors, it's not from the Lord. It's not from the Lord. It never ceases to amaze me and also sad me at the same time to hear how Christians are quick to partake in the juicy gossip about someone else. Uh, And can you imagine what this would have been like if if they had social media, if there was Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat, how fast this thing would have spread? Hey, Jesus, and all how fast the lie, even about Jesus himself, which tells us a couple things. Number one, if they spread rumors about Jesus, they'll probably spread rumors about you too. I mean, Jesus Christ, perfect in all his ways and sinless, had rumors spread about him. Many more besides this one, but this is a clear one. And secondly... It grieves my heart as a pastor and your friend to see all the kind of nonsense that's on Facebook. You know, when they have my number, many of them know where I live, but they'd rather post something on Facebook. I mean, I I don't have time for that. I hear Jesus saying, you follow me. And then getting in all these other things and posting this. Do you guys forget that you're Christians? That you represent Jesus Christ? If you would just get so passionate about the gospel like you are for other things in your life, can you imagine the way that this city would be turned around Oh, yeah, some are clapping and some are mad. Some are going, oh, yeah, and then some are going, wait a minute, Ed. Listen, I haven't been on Facebook for months, and I don't intend to come back. And some of you go, wait a minute, Ed, I see you post sometimes. Let me let you in on a little secret. I found a way to post with a, I have a program that I post where I don't have to read Facebook because I don't think I want to abandon it with the Word of God. I, I want to get things out, something that I've read, some scripture. I'm going to keep posting because, man, there are billions of people on there. I want the, the scriptures and the truth to go forth. But man, these things that are forwarded and, and oh, it was not this and it wasn't true. I mean, come on, guys. Man, we, we need to uphold the gospel of Jesus Christ and his agape love and his phileo love. You know, I, I know I do post some weird stuff sometimes. Like when I was in Washington, somebody gave me an amazing gift. How could I not share it with you? It was a donut, chocolate glazed <laughs> with a hole in the middle. But you couldn't see the hole because somebody really, really smart took a Reese's peanut butter cup and stuffed it in that hole. I have to tell you, I posted it with a bite out of it. So you guys saw on Instagram, or I posted with a bite out of it because I fully intended only to take one bite. I ate it all, man. It was so good. 
I share that simply to get you to laugh because what I just shared previously is very hard to receive. But I'm telling you, church, don't lose your witness. Don't lose your witness by being easily sidetracked away from what's important. What's important? There's only two things that are eternal. Only two. The word of God and the souls of men. That's it. That's all that's worthy of our time and our attention. And rumors were started about Jesus. There's rumors all over the place. And I know in my own personal walk, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. It was just so discouraging. It was so like, man, what's going on? What's happened to the body of Christ? What's happened to believers? What's happened to leaders? What's happening, Lord? Deliver us. Save us from this. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18, whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. It's foolishness. And if Jesus said something that so quickly can become juicy gossip, then it shouldn't surprise us to see it happen today. Lord, help us. Turn to chapter 20 as we close. Chapter 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. Chapter 21, verse 24. This is the disciple who testifies of these things, who wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Verse 24, John is saying, I'm an eyewitness. I was there. I'm writing down what I saw and what I know. Little did he know that what he was writing down was actually inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he was writing down what he saw. He was writing down, but the Holy Spirit was carrying him along, writing down exactly what God wanted to be written. Verse 25, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And let's say that last word together. Amen. It's the end of the book, but not the end of my commentary. Hold on. (laughs) Studying through the life of Jesus is a wonderful thing. If you're looking for a place in your devotional life, you're not sure where you should open the Bible and you're new to the Bible and you don't know anything, just go to the Gospel of John, maybe the Gospel of Mark, and just start reading about Jesus. The best thing you can possibly do is get to know Jesus. And the most explicit descriptions of Jesus, the life and times and the teachings of Jesus, are found in the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now I have to say Jesus is in all the books of the Bible but he is most readily seen as his life is chronicled in the Gospels. The best thing you can do is to get to know your Savior who died for you. The best thing you can do, especially when your faith is wavering, is not just to read the Bible, but go ahead and open up the book of John so that your faith, it was written specifically so you would believe that your faith would be renewed and strengthened and built up because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he's done so much. Not everything has been written down for Jesus. Just select things. There's so much that Jesus has done, God in human flesh, that there's not enough room and time to go through everything that he has done. And by the way, Jesus is still alive, working today. I mean, there are still things. There, Jesus is still moving in this room. Some of you were encouraged. Some of you were corrected. Some of, God is still moving through his spirit. And right now, Jesus is interceding for you. Even as the fox has reminded us from Brazil. That whether it's the Satan himself that's asked to sift you or the circumstances of your life are sifting you or your own mind is sifting you or, I mean, you name it. You just feel like you're in the sifter, man. You're just going through it. You can hear the words of Jesus, can't you? But I've prayed for you. 
that your faith will not fail. That's it, isn't it? I prayed for you. Jesus standing before God, battling the accuser of the brethren, praying for us. He's still ministering. Things could still be written down, even to this day, of the things that Jesus has done. But the canon is closed, and the revelation of those things will come when we're there face to face. And it's just a good thing for us to turn our attention and give God a chance to work in our lives, to step up, to step out in faith, trusting Him in all areas. Amen? And with that, we've made it through our study of John's gospel here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Ed, it's hard to believe, but we began this journey way back in March of last year. And I love how you tied a bow on the series, encouraging our listeners to love Jesus and follow him. That's a pretty good summation of the gospel, don't you think? Well, you know, Larry, when I taught through the gospel of John back in 2015, 16, and 17, I think, it might have even gone back a little bit farther, but we finished uh, in 17, and now we get to air it on the radio, and now we're finishing here. Uh, I love the Gospel of John. It's my favorite gospel. It is one of my favorite books of the Bible, um, especially as I follow along my friend and Savior, Jesus. And here at the end, you know, Peter, he always gets this bad rap. He has demonstrated to us, or at least the Bible has revealed many failures in his life. So he kind of gets a bad rap, but he is very much like you and me. And because he's very much like you and me, we can relate to Jesus where he's, Jesus is going to invite us back to service, back to intimacy, back to closeness and connection, which will then lead to a response of love and care and devotion to him. And it is true. It's a great summation. If we had to summarize this book of the Bible or any book of the Bible is love Jesus and follow him. Everything else will come. Where I'm supposed to be, where I'm supposed to live, how much I'm supposed to save, who I'm supposed to marry, on and on the list goes. What's my gifting? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to serve? On and on the list goes. It's summed up in this, love Jesus and follow him. That's his invitation. His invitation is one of intimacy. And and listen, I've been following Jesus now for 33 plus years. And for a variety of different reasons, this is a challenge for me. And what I mean by it being a challenge for me is that I love Jesus and I follow him, but that closeness and intimacy, like that's what I want to grow in. I don't want my following Jesus and loving Jesus to be merely transactional I want it to grow in intimacy and relation. I want it to be relational and not transactional. And God's, God's been very patient with me. I've been very gracious to me. And I'm learning day by day what it is to abide in Christ, to love him, follow him, love my neighbor as myself, and to be more useful in his hands. And just join me on the journey of following Christ. Join me in loving God and following him. And I know together we'll make it to the very presence of Jesus, not because of our own good works, but because of his great grace. Thanks again, Ed. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at aboundinggraceradio.com.
Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Ed Taylor. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you might be. Look for our podcast, too, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, see if this sounds familiar. You have a stubborn habit. You've prayed about it, you've surrendered it to God, and yet you still can't seem to break free. It's about that time that discouragement can begin to set in. Well, today we'd like to recommend a helpful book authored by Erwin Lutzer called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. In it, you'll find three essential ground rules you need to accept in order to change. Also, discover the secret to dismissing tempting thoughts. And Erwin Lutzer uncovers the roles of God, Satan, and your loved ones in your success or failure. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.store. And here at Abounding Grace, we look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry through either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Coming up next week, we'll begin our journey through First and Second Samuel. Good reason for a return visit. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.